wellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hi, everyone. It's Joe here, and I'm going to talk to you today about travel. Um, I've had quite a few questions about travel food and what you're allowed to take on the plane and you know when you're going overseas what do you take and what do you look for and how do you travel gluten-free and I know um, for people with special diets on special diets it can be quite daunting to think of traveling especially if you also have kids on special diets gets even trickier Um, so I thought I'd tell you a bit about that and also I did have a lot of questions about um Spain and where we went and I also had questions about um just all the logistics of traveling so um for those of you who haven't traveled much overseas and and need some ideas on how to get started how to um you know work out the food for the trip and everything this podcast is for you Okay, so we'll start off with um, the food side of things because I think that's probably what most people will want to know. Um, So when I travel in Australia, um, I take all sorts of things on the plane to eat. Um, As long as you don't have fresh fruit and fresh produce um, when you get off the plane, you're, you're pretty right. Like you can take apples, bananas, avocado, carrot sticks, you know, whatever fruit um on the plane but just be aware that if you don't eat it on the plane as you go into most states you have to throw it out which is a big waste so only take um enough fresh fruit or whatever for on the plane um we usually do things like um like uh, crackers and chocolate energy bars and um brownies or some a dense kind of cake um that kind of cookie dough balls or bliss bliss balls we'll do that sort of things for the trip and i'll also if it's in australia i'll take um like a, a water bottle a metal water bottle with my water in it um i'll take a thermos sometimes with a meal depending on how um strict you are with your food or how long your trip is, um, I've often taken a thermos with a meal in it and it's never been a problem in Australia. Um, it's just that when you go overseas, you can only have 100 grams of, um, or mils, sorry, of liquid in a container. And so you can't take anything soupy, you can't take um, a drink bottle of water. Um, it all will just have to get emptied out. So... Just be aware of that. If you're going overseas, you can only have up to 100 mils in a bottle. So when we, I'm going to talk mostly about overseas because I think that's the hardest. Um, So when we went overseas, so we were going to Spain and before I've been to the UK, um, to um, the UK, uh, sorry, to England and Scotland and, and obviously places like New Zealand and things like that. But I've never had any trouble with taking a few things on the plane and I always check the customs regulations first Um, make sure that you've checked what you can take if you've got friends or family in that country you can ask them to and make sure that you've got or even contact if you've got a travel guide in that country just contact them and say 
this is what I read on the customs website. Is this right? Like double check, be really careful. But don't, like some people have messaged me and they saw pictures on my Instagram of things that I was taking. They're like, oh, no, 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 you can't take home baking. I'm like, yes, you can actually. And they're like, no, you can't. And so I'd have to screenshot the customs regulations and send them because people think that, um, you know, you can't take anything homemade. They think you can't. And, and so they, you know, they make it a lot more difficult for themselves. But you actually can. Generally, you can't take um, meat or dairy off the plane. So if you made some, just say you had beef jerky and some cheese and crackers, um, things like that for the trip, that's okay as long as you eat them on the plane, you can't take them off. Um, generally, I take things like like I mentioned, I, I make chocolate energy bars, so I'll use the nutty chocolate recipe or the raw chocolate recipe um, from either Life Changing Food or Quirky Cooking, and I'll pour that um, into a tray and mix in a heap of paleo granola or dried fruit and nuts and coconut and seeds, sesame seeds, all sorts of stuff. And then I'll mix it in until it's like more like a slice, press it down really well, put it in the freezer to set until it's just set, then cut it into bars and wrap them in um, like baking paper. And that kind of thing you can take anywhere. That's fine. Um, Things like, um, so I'll make a, like I said, brownies or a cake. Um, when we went to Spain, I made a really dense fruit cake and cut that into slices and wrapped it up and we ate that for a few days and that was fine. Um, buckwheat and almond crackers, that's the ones from the Life Changing Food Cookbook. They are great for plane trips. I put them into a container so they won't get crushed and I line the container with paper towels. And um, those are great because then when you're – you know, you just need something savory. You're hungry, but there's nothing available or, um, you get to the other country and you've got jet lag and you're up in the middle of the night going, I'm starving and I have no food. At least you've got some crackers and cake and chocolate. (laughs) So I always, um, have those basic kind of things, bliss balls, like I mentioned, cookie dough balls. Um, if you, if you are going overseas, don't, bother taking a water bottle on the plane if you want to take a water bottle because you like we were doing a road trip in Spain so we did want water bottles for the actual road trip and we would buy a big we had a big container of water that we'd buy one now one or two now and then and fill up our water bottles Um, but it's absolutely no use filling them up before you go to the airport and keeping them with you because you'll have to tip them out so just pop them in your suitcase empty And when you get there, you can use them. Um, We did try, someone had told us that you can take an empty water bottle on the plane and ask the air hostess to fill it for you instead of having plastic water bottles or cups. Um, But they said no to us when we asked that. Um, They said no and they gave us water in cups. So I don't know, maybe someone's had better luck than us, but we didn't have any luck with that. So next time we're just going to leave the empty water bottles in the suitcase. Um, we also had gluten-free meals ordered, so you can often get something to eat on the plane if it's a long trip. Um, they're not amazing. They're not awesome. And if you're on gaps or something, it's really difficult because they generally have grains or potato in them. Um, 
and I don't really recommend the muffins or bread rolls because they're full of absolute rubbish. But, you know, if you're starving and you need something, that's up to you. <laughs> I think my kids ate the um, – I think they ate one of the muffins, but then that was enough for them because they weren't very nice. Um, so that's why we sort of bulk it out with some things that we bring along. Uh, my youngest daughter always likes popcorn, so she usually takes or buys a packet of that natural popcorn um, and that's never been a problem on the plane. Uh, let me think, what else did we do? Um, oh, on the plane sometimes there'll be in the menu if you have to buy something, if it's a smaller trip, um, they'll have cheese and crackers. And sometimes that's about the only thing that we can eat. We just don't eat the crackers. We have the cheese and then we have our own crackers. It's very frustrating because you'd think that they'd have a gluten-free option of crackers, but I've never seen one. So um, so those are some of the things we do on the plane. And like I said, just be aware of the country you're going into, what you're allowed to take in. But um, we we checked if we were okay to take in some homemade cake and they were like, yeah, no problem. When you're going between European countries, you can like from, for instance, from um, Spain to France, um, you can take cheese and ham and all sorts of things they don't mind in there it's just when you're going overseas um, and when we went to the UK I also found that was quite flexible um, with what you were allowed to bring in Australia is probably one of the hardest countries um, like the most strict countries and fair enough because we don't have a lot of the um, diseases and things that are um, from plants from other countries so we want to keep it like that um, so obviously no fresh produce no meat cheese dairy anything like that coming back into Australia um, we did check if it was okay to bring homemade baking um, and things like that back in and we were told yes it was on the customs page that it's okay um, I think because once it's cooked you're pretty safe it's not going to bring a disease in so just be aware of things like that. Um, some other things that are great on the plane trip um, that you eat on the plane and just only pack enough for the trip and then it's finished and you and you don't have you just have an empty container when you arrive. Um, things like um, chia pudding, I've always found that really good because you can pack that into a jar and have it layered with roasted fruit, um, some nuts, coconut like a coconut milk chia pudding and I find that really filling that is like a meal so if you can't pack a meal um, think of things like that that are quite filling um, I've even quite often put a whole avocado in my handbag with a spoon and some salt and um, while I'm flying I'll eat an avocado <laughs> uh, just one word of warning don't eat boiled eggs on the plane or the people sitting next to you will hate you because they stink <laughs> and also tuna don't do that to them that also stinks. Um, so just be aware. And also probably not a meal with cabbage, cooked cabbage or something like that that smells when you open the thermos. So be aware of the people around you. Um, yeah, so that's just some of my tips. I also love having like a raw coconut water on trips if I'm in Australia um, for hydration. Um, that's a nice thing to have with you. It's difficult to buy. I don't think you can generally get that on the plane. Um, what else do I usually do? Uh, oh, so, um, dehydrated bone broth is quite good for traveling and you can have that just in your carry on luggage and then ask for 
um, just a cup of hot water and boiling water when they come around with the tea cart. And if it's a flight where you have to pay for your coffee and tea, they won't actually charge you for a cup with hot water. And so you can just put your um, bone broth in. I would recommend a little bit of salt as well and stir that through. Um, and we often have things like herbal tea bags and stuff like that in, in our carry-on just so that we can make a cup of tea with the kind of tea that we like. And then, yeah, you don't have to pay because they just give you the water for free. Um, if you want milk in your tea and you're, and you're dairy-free, if, if you want milk in your tea or coffee, what I've done before is taken the little mashies reusable squeezy pouches and um, put nut milk in there and frozen it. And then when I leave, I take the frozen pouches, one or two, depending on how long the flight is, and that'll go into a cold bag with any food that I'm taking for the flight. And so the squeezy pouches, they're frozen, so they act like an ice brick. And when they thaw, you use the milk in your tea and coffee. And um, that works really well. Just remember, though, if oh, and they're only um, 100 mils or less, so that's also okay for overseas. Um, one of the mistakes that I made this time when we went to Spain was I took a cold bag with a, um, a cold brick in it to keep the the chocolate and the cake and everything from, you know, getting too warm. And um, we arrived in one of the countries we were going through and they checked through my stuff and they said, this is not 100 mils. And I was like, oh, yeah, because it melts. So your cold brick, don't forget, that's going to melt and then it's it's liquid and it's got to be less than 100 mils. So keep that in mind. So that's why those little mashies, um, squeezy pouches are good with frozen milk in them. Um, so, yeah, they threw that out. So I lost that. That's okay. Um, so there's also some dehydrated veggie seaweed crackers in the life-changing food book that we absolutely love for traveling. They're so tasty and um, they're a bit more than just having a cracker because they've got the veggies in them. So that's another good one, but they are very brittle. So you need to put them in a hard container. Okay. So those are some of my tips for the actual food. Um, but do check the customs regulations before you go into a country and also check with the locals if you can. Um, but I do think it's very important to be prepared for aeroplane trips if it's going to be a long trip because you get so hungry and sometimes the food on the plane is really inadequate, <laughs> to put it mildly. Okay, now food in the country. So um, I'll talk about food in Spain because that's the main place that we were. And I know what you're thinking. I know you're thinking Jo is so organized with her diet and she's probably, you know, been really strict while she was away. And so you want to know what I did to stay gluten-free. Well, <laughs> the truth is I didn't stay completely gluten-free while I was in Spain. When I was in the UK four years, five years ago, four or five years ago, I think four, um, I was on early gaps and I was very strict because I had to be because we were on you know, a healing diet. Um, and I had no problem staying gluten-free in the UK. It was actually quite easy because, you know, for breakfast I'd get um, bacon, eggs, mushrooms, tomatoes, that kind of thing. Um, for lunch I'd just get meat and salad or meat and veggies. 
and I'd swap the potato and the, um, ask them to put pumpkin instead. Or at breakfast, I'd say, oh, instead of the sausage, because they'd have grains in them or wheat, I'd say, instead of the sausage, can you swap it for another egg? Or And I never, ever had anyone say no, and it was really easy. I was gluten-free and dairy-free and actually grain-free the whole time I was in the UK. Spain was a different kettle of fish, though. Um, they say it's very easy to stay gluten-free in Spain, but I didn't find it that easy. Um, probably we hadn't prepared, been as prepared because I was thinking it would be as easy as the UK, but it wasn't. So thankfully we had been working on our gut health for four years. And as most of you know, the gluten and the wheat, sorry, the wheat and the bread in um, Europe, like places like Spain and France, is actually a lot better than ours here in Australia and better than the UK. Um, and you can get bread that's very traditional. So it's it's practically sourdough. It's very um, good quality. It's not just a quick fluffy bread. It's the old-fashioned, chewy, stretchy sourdough kind of bread. And it's made with wheat that hasn't been hybridized and, you know, sprayed with glyphosate and all that kind of stuff so it's actually a better quality um, wheat and we didn't react to it at all so we did um, try to stay mostly gluten-free but now and then there was breadcrumbs on something or in a sauce there was wheat and sometimes we did give in and have a little bit of bread or churros <laughs> at the end we had a, a couple of croissants in Paris and we didn't react at all and I think partly was the quality of the wheat there, but also that we're so much further along in our health than we were four years ago. So if we had have done that four years ago, I don't know how we would have gone. So you really need to think about where you're at with your health and how you react to gluten. Like if you're celiac, obviously you've got to be strict and I've got some tips for you, so don't worry. Um, or if you're really like super strict on a healing diet and you've got to stick to it, there is things that you can eat. So um, we decided to be a little bit more flexible and we were fine. Okay, so for those of you who do need to stay strictly gluten-free or grain-free in Spain, these are some tips. Okay, so breakfast was the hardest time. I found it quite tricky in Spain because breakfast in traditional Spanish cafes is generally bread or pastries with coffee. In the smaller towns, we couldn't get things like eggs and bacon, yogurt, fruit, or even a Spanish tortilla, the egg and potato omelette um, for breakfast. They they didn't serve that kind of thing until 12 at the earliest. They're not traditional breakfast foods. And at some of the small cafes in little country towns, because we did a road trip, so we weren't in just in touristy areas. We didn't want to be in touristy areas. We wanted to get into the real country areas and the little villages and stuff, which is awesome, but it's a bit harder with the food. So um, in the tourist areas, you can easily get a gluten-free breakfast because most of the cafes will serve brunch-type food, you know, like a um, fry-up or they'll have the um, – at least they'll have like Spanish tortilla or different things like that. But in, in the more traditional areas, it's pretty much coffee and bread for breakfast. Um, you can ask if they um, if they serve pan sin gluten, which is gluten-free bread. If you can't find – gluten-free bread, um, you need to be prepared to make your own. If you can't find a gluten-free breakfast, sorry, you need to be prepared to make your own. So 
my tip, my best tip is to always book accommodation with a little kitchen. So we mostly used Airbnb. Um, we did some through booking.com as well. And if you do it that way, when you arrive in a town, you go to the supermarket, you buy your eggs and your meat, and your veggies, yogurt, fruit, whatever you usually have for breakfast, and you just plan to cook breakfast in your accommodation. And then when we did that, um, we found that we had breakfast earlier. We had a big breakfast for cheaper. And then we would go out after breakfast and sit in the cafes and have coffee and, you know, still enjoy that cafe experience, um, but without the gluten. <laughs> so, um, and in that way, you know, if you've got a good breakfast, I find I need a good breakfast because then I'm sort of energized for a whole morning of exploring and we walked a lot. Um, but on the mornings where we were in little villages and we had no- nothing in the accommodation really to eat, um, sometimes we would wander for half an hour or an hour looking for a cafe that served something that we could eat and then we'd just give in and have toast and bread, you know, well, not toast, but tostadas, which is like a that nice bread in toasted. Um, so, yeah, if you, if you can cook for yourself for breakfast and then go out for a coffee or a hot chocolate um, to watch the world go by in a cafe, that works really well. Um, I would also recommend... You know, when you get to a town and you go to the shop to get your your groceries, stock up on some healthy snacks. Um, the laid-back lifestyle in Spain means that the meals will probably be later than you're used to. <laughs> well, if you're anything like me. Um, in our family, if breakfast, if lunch isn't at 12, then, you know, it's like, what is going on? And if, if dinner's not at six, then everyone's, unless it's like the middle of summer and it's really hot, we eat at 12 and six. Um, but in Spain, as you probably know, breakfast is around, you know, we had breakfast usually around 10 a.m. Lunch was usually between two and four. And dinner was about 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., something like that. Locals will eat later. Um, sometimes we'd go to a restaurant. We went to a restaurant and had dinner at 8, and um, it was so empty, and it was a really beautiful restaurant that's really well-known. And we thought, oh, this is so empty. must just be the low season, you know. And then by about 9.30, the people started arriving. We were like, whoa. <laughs> like we were finishing, and they were just sitting down to order. So they definitely eat later there. Um, so one of my tips is pack some good, healthy, gluten-free snacks for when you're off exploring or road tripping so that you can last until dinner because, um, you know, if you want to sort of be out and about at the time the locals are out and about, then, you know, you, you want to, you're going to have to snack. They do have tapas um, in Spain, which is, you know, that's the sort of thing you can go and get a snack here and there and, um sit with a snack and a drink and have that any time in the afternoon really and the evening and there's a lot of variety so you will be able to find some gluten-free options Um, but a lot of the delicious fried seafood in Spain um, and the bombas and the croquetas they're fried in breadcrumbs so you'll have to avoid those you can try asking for your seafood or your calamari grilled instead of crumbed I don't know how you'd go with that in small villages, though. Um, in the more in the bigger cities, maybe that would be easier. I'm not sure. I guess it depends on how used to gluten-free customers they are at, at each. You know, some cafes, even in country areas, are great. They've got gluten-free options and they're sorted. 
um, same as Australia, you know, you can go into places in a small town and there's awesome options. So you just never know. Um, but just be aware that you'll have to ask for gluten-free. Um, we mostly, for tapas, we mostly ordered things like cheeses, the hamon iberico, which is the, um, the local ham, uh, the cured ham. Um, we'd get olives, fried potatoes like patatas bravas, um, Russian salad, which is a potato salad with tuna. Um, we would get... Um, so any, just check the menu and look it up on Google Translate if you have to to figure out what it is and ask them what's in it if you need to. You do need to be careful with anything with mayonnaise because some, if they don't make their own mayonnaise or aioli, they may use a commercial mayo, which is not always gluten-free. Um, I'm not even sure if Spanish tortilla is always gluten-free. I, like if it's made from scratch, it would be, but I just don't know about if they um, buy it and reheat it, if, if it is. So just always check. Paella can sometimes be not gluten-free, and I know that's crazy because that's rice and meat and stock, but um, you need to check if they use bouillon cubes for the stock. Um, like if it's not traditionally made with a traditional stock and they use the bouillon cubes, that may have gluten in them. Um, so you can ask. If um, if the bouillon cubes are gluten free, Avacrem is a um, popular brand of bouillon cubes, and they are not gluten free. So you can ask them um, if they use those. You also need to remember when you're ordering your meal to say "Tienes pan sin gluten," which means I probably said that terribly badly, and I'm sorry to all the Spanish speakers. <laughs> I'm out of practice already, um, but basically ask them do you have gluten-free bread and if they say no then you say that you don't want bread thank you because a basket of bread comes with every meal automatically it's just part of the price so if you don't want it you need to ask them when you order to leave it out or um, to swap it for gluten-free bread um, when it comes to sweets and desserts, um, we found a few places that had like flourless chocolate cake or um, things like that, but mostly we had hot chocolate. That was our favorite sweet. Spanish hot chocolate is amazing. It's thick. It's almost like custard. It's got corn flour in it. Um, so if you're strictly gluten-free, you should probably check that it's gluten-free um, because as you know, corn flour sometimes isn't made out of corn. It's made out of wheat starch. Um, we also ate a lot of rice pudding, yogurt, um, although we didn't really find a good yogurt, I must admit. Um, we had ice cream now and then. We had good quality chocolate. Um, and so that's sort of the main sweets that we had. But, yeah, definitely Spanish hot chocolate with whipped cream on top, the best. Um, if you're uh, – I think there was something I was going to say there, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, Yes, if you're um, if you know what areas you're going to, do a search before you go and look for gluten free restaurants. And some of them even serve gluten free churros. So um, I know in Madrid there's some I, there is some around the place. So just search and see if you can find gluten free. And and I even um, sadly I did this when I got home. I don't know why I didn't think of it before I left. But I we were in Malaga a little bit and, uh, for a few days. And um, I guess because we had Victor, our tour guide, who chatted on our last podcast, so I didn't worry about it then. He just took us everywhere and he knew we were gluten-free. But 
um, when I got home, I, I Googled gluten-free cafes Malaga and there was a big list of them So and what you could order that was gluten-free. So always do a good search before you go to an area. I think that's one of the um, the best ways to have a really good trip, especially if you've got food intolerances and allergies, is to do your research before you go. Um, I found a good website with a lot of tips for gluten-free travel in Spain and I did have that before I went. Um, what to ask for, how to say it, um, you know, what things not to eat. And I'll put the link in the show notes for any of you that want it if you're going to Spain. But really just get online and do a search for gluten-free cafes, restaurants, um, foods in the area that you're going to so you know what to ask for. Um, we also did searches in TripAdvisor for gluten-free restaurants you can go on there and look in so you can go to the area that you're going to and look in there for gluten-free places but a lot of times it just means um at meal times buy simple meat and veggie meals um and that's easy enough at lunch and dinner but it's just a bit more difficult at breakfast um so yeah i'll put a link to that article you'll find that really helpful um, another random bit of advice that's not quite related to food, but it kind of is. Um, we were quite surprised by the amount of cigarette smoke in Europe. Um, we're not used to that in Australia because you can't smoke in an outdoor cafe or anywhere near the shop doors, you know. So we sat down in this beautiful outdoor cafe to eat our dinner and all around us people were smoking and it was just wafting over our faces and in our dinner and I was just like oh I can't eat it made me feel really sick I get a headache and feel sick when I'm breathing in a lot of cigarette smoke so just be aware that if you're sitting in an outdoor cafe that is the smoking area um if you can sit on the edge away from people a bit you may be able to get enough fresh air that it doesn't bother you But we ended up having to sit inside a fair bit to um, escape the smoke. So um, that's a pity. But, yeah, if you can't handle the smoke, you're best to sit inside. And if you sit too close to the doors, they'll keep opening and closing the doors and you'll get it anyway, by the way. So that's about the only downside. The rest of the the rest of the um, trip we absolutely loved and we definitely are totally in love with Spain and we'll be going back for sure. So for those of you who've made it this far in the podcast and want to know where we went and that kind of thing, um, so we went to okay we arrived in Barcelona and then we flew we stayed there for a couple of days then we flew down to Malaga in the south. And then we hired a car at the airport there, spent a day there and then and a night there. And then we drove to Granada via Friliana and Neha. Um, we spent a couple of nights there, visited the Alhambra. Um, then we drove around to Sevilla, if you can um, stop in Cordoba. But we would, we had to cut that town out because we just had too much on our plates. Um, so we drove to Sevilla, spent two nights there. We did a food tour there with um, Sevilla Tapas. Um, that was great. We then drove to Arcos de la Frontera, which we stayed there one night. Absolutely loved that beautiful little town. So I definitely recommend going there. And there was an amazing restaurant there called, ooh, can't remember what it was called. Anyway, there's some good restaurants there. You can look in my Spain highlights on my Instagram profile and um, click through the photos and you'll see all the tags and all the 
locations. So you'll be able to see them on there. Um, then we drove to Beja de la Frontera via Jerez and we went to see the Andalusian horses dancing and we went and stayed in um, Beja and just loved it there. Then we drove right around, did a big four-hour drive the next trip, um, which was from Veja de la Frontera to Ronda, but via Bologna Beach, where the beautiful big Spanish sand dunes are. They're just gorgeous. Um, rolled around the sand dunes. My son hurt his neck, but <laughs> he was being very silly. I told him to jump on the edge of the sand dunes so I could get a photo of him in the air, but instead he rolled down it, and so he hurt his neck a little bit. But other than that, it was awesome. Um, we went to Tarifa and to Gibraltar. And then we went up to Rhonda, and Rhonda is some is a beautiful, beautiful place. You definitely need to go to Rhonda. Um, have a look at my photos, or go online and, and search Rhonda. It's big cliffs with um, the village on top, and it's so beautiful. So we loved that. Um, then we drove to Malaga via the Sierra de las Nubas National Park, which was so wild and beautiful. It nearly made me cry. It was so beautiful. You know, sometimes when you just you just like so touched by the beauty of nature and just like wow it was so amazing I just loved that drive and then we got back to Malaga stayed there two nights and um, we did a tour with Victor oh I forgot to mention we did a tour with Victor the first day in Malaga so we did the history tour and that was really fascinating Um, we went to the fort and all different things there and the Roman theatre and he always like packs a lot into his tours I think we got lots of extra stuff it was great we love Victor um he's from the tour company we love Malaga so I'll put a link to that um and then when we came back through Malaga we spent a day with Victor again and he took us all over the place to his favorite national park and his little restaurant out there near the national park where we got to meet some locals and have a good chat and we did all sorts of fun stuff in Malaga we loved it there um, then we flew back to Barcelona for a night and then on to Paris for two nights. Um, and I got to go to the galleries and spend some time with friends. So that was awesome. So um, my recommendation for those of you who are interested in Spain is um, go when it's not the full-on tourist season. <laughs> honestly, it was quite busy even in the low season. I think it's a very popular tourist destination. Um, and no wonder because it's absolutely the most awesome place to go it's so chilled like we you know when you travel it's just such an amazing experience and it really um, takes you out of your you know the the busy urgency kind of thing that you're in when you're at home working and you just can completely relax well we did and Spain is like the best place to relax in ever because it's so laid back and we had um, you know, sleep-ins every morning. We we did a lot of walking and a fair bit of driving, but we just felt like we just really got to relax and chill out. And it was just such a beautiful experience um, to have that really laid-back holiday. So I highly recommend Spain. Um, it's important, though, that you learn to sleep wherever you are <laughs> when you're traveling. I've been practicing this for years because I travel a lot for work, um, like falling asleep on the plane quite quickly or at least dozing so that you get that rest. Um, and I've done it in trains and buses and, you know, hotel rooms, hostels, back seats of cars, wherever. I can just pretty much have a good nap wherever. And I think 
especially if you're traveling overseas, you need to be able to just completely switch off and at least doze because you otherwise will waste, you know, the first couple of days of your holiday too exhausted to do anything because of the jet lag. So start practicing napping. (laughs) It's a good thing to practice. (laughs) Okay, so um, I'm trying to think if there was any other questions that people had for me. Um, But basically I just want to say I think it's really, really important to travel Um, I think we all need that um, perspective that travel gives us. It's, it really grows you. It opens up, opens you up to new experiences and it's very enriching. And I found it really resets your mind. Like I had, um, you know, work had been so busy and I really needed a break and it kind of gives you that reset. You come back feeling vibrant and um, excited about your work again and motivated and, um, it just really nourishes your body and soul and helps you to remember what's really important and what really doesn't matter because, you know, it just, it really does give you perspective. And I also love that it creates a hunger to know more about other cultures and history and traditions and foods and languages. And especially, you know, it's so important to take your kids with you traveling, especially as they get older, little kids traveling. I know that's hard. Maybe just stay in your own country and travel there. (laughs) But once they get older, it's great to take them overseas because you just, you can just see them growing. And in, in three weeks, I reckon my kids just, you know, they mature. They begin to really learn from the other, other cultures and from the experience and the adventure and getting out of their comfort zone. It's so good for them and it's so good for us as well. So it also opens up a lot of conversations with them. So I really loved traveling with my 19 and 21 year old because um, we just talked and talked and talked. It was really good. Um, And they they can see then, you know, how other people live and um, learn to see beyond themselves and their own small lives because really, you know, we can get quite insulated in our lives and not look much beyond our little town or culture or country. Um, and not think about how other people live and, and the politics going on there and the, you know, the, the struggles that they're having or the things that they work through. And deep down, we're all the same. We all have the same needs. And um, I just find travel really connects us with other cultures and other people. Um, and my kids, it's really interesting now. Well, even before we left, they've been very interested in um, all the Latin cultures because they've been learning Spanish for a fair while. And they'll be listening to the news because they want to hear what's happening happening in Venezuela or they want to know what's happening in Spain. And they're, they're looking into the um, what's happening in other countries and they're concerned for people in other countries. And I think that's a beautiful part of travel that um, you begin to have a bigger worldview than maybe you had before. So those are my thoughts on traveling and mostly on traveling in Spain because that's where we just went. And um, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful. And I'll put some useful links in the show notes. And I'll be back in a fortnight with another interview. So I hope it wasn't, um, I hope it wasn't boring with just me talking, but (laughs) I just wanted to have a catch up and tell you all about that. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks to chat to you again. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a great week. Bye. 
This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.